With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. James Freeman on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Hello and welcome once again to the Freeman Report. Today's report will revisit the conflict in the Middle East and assess where we are now, given that thousands of innocent lives have been lost. And also now there is a case against Israel in the International Court of Justice for genocidal intent. My name is James Freeman. I'm a former member of the European Parliament, and this is my weekday show where I break down the big issues of our time in our fight for freedom, liberty and justice. It is Friday the 12th of January and we are already, believe it or not, nearing the halfway point of the first month of the year in a critical year for geopolitics and our quest to protect our freedoms. This year, we'll witness around 140 elections, while two major conflicts involving the West rage in the Middle East and Ukraine. Today's show will focus on the Middle East in terms of the human lives lost and the distant prospects of a peaceful settlement being reached due to the pressure from the international community. Next week on Tuesday, I've just had it confirmed that Gilbert Doctorow will be joining us for, um, and I'll also have an analyst um, on uh, on Iran um, to give us a geopolitical update on what is going on and the prospects for escalation in the region. My first guest today is Youssef Alehu, um, who is a political analyst and expert in Palestinian and Middle Eastern affairs. Youssef has worked as a journalist in Gaza for many years and has experienced the death of loved ones in the conflict. So he also has a personal story to tell, um, as well as his um, analysis on the conflict itself. My second guest today has appeared on the Freeman Report before, back in October, just after the Hamas attacks. He is Ofer Kasif. He's an elected member of the Knesset, which is Israel's parliament. Ofer has fought against the Israeli occupation for decades. He was actually sent to prison back in the 80s for refusing to serve um, you know, his national service in the occupied territories and later went on to become an MP. Now, that doesn't make him very popular in the Knesset and he frequently gets bans from Parliament for speaking out. In fact, the last time he was on the Freeman Report, he'd just been banned for 45 days for calling for an immediate ceasefire after the Hamas attacks. Attacks that very sadly took one of his, the life of one of his best friends um, who was killed by Hamas fighters. Ofer says his views are not against Israel, but in fact are supportive of Israel as he believes the only way, the only way to achieve peace for his country is to agree a deal that gives Palestine its freedom. I'll be asking both men what they think the prospect is for peace now, given what has happened over the last three months. And also, um, I'll be asking for an update on, you know, what the mood is in the Israeli parliament, given that we've now got this 
case in the International Court of Justice, um, you know, for genocide against the Israeli state. So stay put for the next hour as we hear from both men who are not only experts on the conflict, but of who have both also been touched by it personally. If you want to get in touch, then email me at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live. And if you want to join in the conversation, as always, head over to tntradio.live and click on the chat icon. My name is James Freeman, and this is the Freeman Report for today's News Talk TNT. Going 360 on the headlines. It's really well-balanced conversation. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hello, Gemma. How are you doing today? Well, it's Friday, James. And as you know, we both love a Friday here on uh, TNT. I think wherever you are in the world, no matter where you're broadcasting from, I was on with Dean Mackin in Australia this morning. Everybody looks forward to the weekend, don't they? It's just a shame we're ending the week on such a dramatic and uh, negative note with the airstrikes of uh, the US and the UK joint effort in Yemen, sparking a whole raft of uh, reaction and and, uh, uh, and military kind of uh, build up, shall we say. But I, I will get to that in just a minute. Yes, please. We were, um, I, I look forward to an update in that in just a second. But we've got a video to play before that because um, the World Council for Health are putting on an evening on the 2nd of February in Southampton. Um, and it's with Matt Letissier. And he is the man of the moment, I think, at the moment in terms of um, what's going on with the vaccines. Um, he's given a really lengthy speech, um, which I saw on X recently, talking about his experience of trying to raise the awareness um, of the harms being done by these injections within the football um, community. Um, he's kept stum to date, um, you know, which was what he agreed with the bodies he was talking to. But he is now talking about his experience and what happened. And this night, on the 2nd of February, I'm sure he's going to reveal all of that. So, studio, please, can we play the clip? Right. Okay. If you fancy going to that event, which I'm, is is going to be a fabulous evening, um, I'm going to try and get there. Um, there'll be lots of people there. It is in Southampton. Get yourself to Ticket Line. Um, I'll also put a, um, a a post up on my ex account as well, and also you can go to te Dr. Tess Laurie's um, account on X as well, and she's got a link there. But do if you're interested in that, be quick um, because I'm sure those tickets are going to sell out quickly. Right, um, Gemma, what's the um, what's the update from the Middle East that you've got for us? Well, there's been so much reaction coming out of the Middle East as a result of the air joint airstrikes between the US and the UK. Uh, we've had plenty of reaction in the in in the UK from uh, different political parties. I mean, Scotland's first minister has now come out and said he finds it frustrating that he wasn't told or briefed that this was going to happen. I think that's a reaction from a lot of people on social media as well, saying, "What the hell is an unelected UK prime minister and an unelected foreign secretary going and doing invading the Middle East without consulting Parliament?" It has echoes of Tony Blair's 
actions in 2003 written all over it. But what's more interesting now with this update is the reactions from the international community. We do know this was a joint operation, a military operation with the US and the UK. It was also backed by the Netherlands, Australia, Canada and Bahrain. They provided logistical intelligence support. Um, but the Czech president in the last 20 minutes has come out and also uh, lent his support to the airstrikes and says that the UK and the US have every right, as does the West, to protect that vital shipping route. He says it's absolutely crucial. But there's also opposition. It's emerged that Italy refused to take part in the operation. And unsurprisingly, now in the last 10 minutes, Russia's foreign ministry has strongly criticised the strikes. We know now there have been 73 raids by US and UK troops. There have been five deaths and six injuries, none of them civilian, but that's what the, the US and the UK are saying, none of those were civilian. Um, and the Houthis are saying that the responsibility of this aggression, even though they're the ones that were attacking the uh, cargo ships and container ships in the Red Sea, that's what sparked this, they're saying that the responsibility of aggression lies solely with the enemies and aggressors. Another nation that's come out in support is Denmark. They're proposing to send a frigate to the Middle East and its defence minister says it fully supports the military action. Free navigation is of crucial importance in that part of the world. So it just shows you how quickly now things have escalated after these overnight uh, airstrikes and raids on, on strategic targets. Um, the whole world seems to be pulled into this conflict. Iran waded in very early and said, you know, this is about an actual act of aggression. It breaks international laws and the Houthis themselves are saying effectively uh, if you think this is going to stop us think again so we're in that classic situation of you know trying to solve a problem with the same energy that created the problem all it's done is escalate the problem and you know hashtagging trending on social media is world war three world war three you know it is, it is a concern once again as more and more countries are pulled into this conflict as a result of the strikes overnight uh, a lot of mps especially the backbenchers in labor jumping up and down and saying why wasn't parliament consulted why didn't it go parliamentary scrutiny Sakir Starmer backing Rishi Sunak uh, and going against his own party Labour Party and saying no 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 we were justified so more and more countries are coming out as we speak and either either going on one side or the other yet again it's polarization uh, yet again it's division uh, and one thing's for certain James this story isn't going away yeah and I was listening to um the previous hour on TNT with Rick Munn and Basil Valentine um you know, I'm not an expert on the Middle East, and that's why I get people on the show to talk about it. But Basil um, knows a lot more than me. And what he was saying is that the Houthis have said, you know, they're not attacking um, any ships, uh, any old ships in the shipping lane. They're, they're targeting ships which are resupplying Israel. Now, I took that um, to mean that they're targeting ships that are resupplying Israel with military aid. Um I'm not sure whether that's true, um, but, you know, we, we've got this this situation in the Middle East at the moment where Israel is actually being accused of genocide. And I think there's a very, very strong case against Israel. Um, we've also heard, um, I learned from Basel, that um, the court, the International Court of Justice, has refused Israel's request to play a 45-minute video um, uh, you know, of the attacks by Hamas um, back in October, simply because, yes, okay, those tax attacks were criminal. They were horrific. Yes, they were. But you cannot point to that and say that that justifies um, the killing of tens and tens of thousands of innocent lives. And that's what the courts, that's the, the judgment that they've taken on this, that it's, you know, the Hamas attacks are one thing, but you can't 
point to that and say, well, look what Hamas did. So we're allowed to commit genocide. Um, so I do think there is a very strong case against Israel. And when you put wrap this up into that context, it does present a lot of very awkward questions, I think, for the West, because are we, I think the big picture question here is, are is the UK and the international community supporting genocide? Well, the, the genocide, the genocide um, question hasn't been answered, and the ICJ. Say, I read yesterday it could take years for that actually to be formally uh, rubber stamped. That definition of what is happening, you know, looking in from the outside, it looks like genocide. It's certainly looking in from the outside. It's, it, it looks like the UK and the US are absolutely supporting Israel. I mean, the, the, but they've always said they stand with Israel, so that's no surprise, really, is it? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I get that. But, you know, we've had what um, I haven't looked at the latest figures, but, you know, it, it, it's around 10,000. It might even be more children have died um, in this conflict now. Innocence, um, you know, and even since the year 2000, over the past two decades, two, over 2000 children have been shot dead in Palestine by Israeli soldiers and also settlers. So, you know, this... It's um it's not looking good that the West is supporting this um ongoing um war. Um obviously that you know the the UK and others have resisted calls for a ceasefire. What they've um instead called for is, you know, um is for humanitarian aid to get in there. But that's all very well, feeding people and giving them water and then dropping bombs on them. Um, the two things there do not um, align, in my view, um, and there is a wider question here, is are the Western alliance countries, are we supporting genocide? And I think that is the big picture question that we need to answer. Um, thank you very much, Gemma, for that story. I hope you have a great weekend um, and I look forward to speaking again next week. Right, we're going to move on swiftly because my next guest is waiting. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman on today's News Talk TNT. Jeremy now on TNT Radio. Being South African, I'm, I know the situation and it's incredibly dire. Basically, our farmers, mostly white, have been under attack for years and years and years. And when I say attack, I mean that physically, don't I? Yes, um, since the dawn of democracy in South Africa, since 1994, we had an average of uh, one farm attack every second day. Um, so it averages around uh, 175 to 190 farm attacks every year. And we had a farm murder on average every fifth day. Um, but over the last few months, both those numbers have picked up. Murders in other sectors of society are not accompanied by the same levels of brutality and torture as you will find in farm murders. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Take us back in time. And who was Mike Flynn? He was the National Security Advisor to the President. Why is it that they go after me so hard? Why me? Why does Barack Obama only talk about two people to the incoming President of the United States? When I was sentenced, the judge says, you have been convicted of lying to cover up for Donald Trump. To which I say, cover up what? Russian collusion? There was no Russian collusion to cover up. We see in today's current uh, scenario with President Joe Biden, who came in with high expectations, that he has been viewed as divisive. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality. 
in the classroom. The liberal media say, well, this is his love for his son, and yes, he's gonna protect his son. But let me tell you, a lot of fathers love their sons, but their sons had to go to jail when they broke the law. This moment, people see a lot of those telltale signs of a far left drift to the country. Whether you're talking about socialism or you're talking about communism, socialism is just a kinder cousin of communism. But the goal is the same, for the state to have control of every aspect of your life. We have multiple hearings on different agencies that have actually just gone rogue. They took fewer men in the takedown of El Chapo than they did to arrest me. And Comey went back to his organization and brought his other thugs together to basically give them the ground rules. Okay, here's how we're gonna, here's what we're gonna do. And give, now I need some ideas about how to execute this, basically this act of treason. I think we all know, James Comey, that you're a great storyteller because you made up the entire story about Crossfire Hurricane. So it's really fitting that a criminal like yourself wrote a crime novel. Do you remember me? Remember me from your book signing? It doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrat, people will sell their soul to obtain an ounce of political power in Washington, D.C. I don't even know that draining the swamp is the appropriate metaphor anymore after what we've seen these last four years. We need basically an exorcism in Washington, D.C. When, you know, Satan is tempting Jesus in the desert, I'll, I'll give you all the riches of the world. I'll give you everything. All you have to do is bow to me. That's what Barack Obama has done. That's what Jim Comey has done. That's what these bastards have done. The Fall of Deceit at SalemNow.com. Are we on the air? Am I on the air? You're on the air. On the air 24-7. Your news talk giant. TNT. Right, as I said in the introduction, today's show is all about what is going on in the Middle East. And I'm delighted um, to welcome my first guest, Youssef El Hello. Um, hello, Youssef, how are you doing? Hello, thank you, James, for having me. I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you for coming on the show to talk about this incredibly um, important topic. Now, Youssef, um, obviously you're an expert and an analyst on Middle Eastern affairs, um, but you've also been touched by the conflict personally, haven't you? Um, tell us quickly about um, how, how you've been impacted um, personally. I was in Gaza uh, one month for this uh, genocide, um, and I was lucky to see uh, all my family members. Uh, sadly, I'm here in London reporting on the events from a distance. I lost my uh, sister and seven of my nieces and nephews and dozens of my relatives, um, cousins. Um, and I was uh, isolated from them uh, because of the lack of communications for over a month. Uh, they are still under the rubble, unable to bury them. And um, this is not the first time that I cover those family members. This is the fifth time, the fifth war. And um, it's really heartbreaking to see those horrific images coming from Gaza. Yeah, I'm really sorry um, to to hear that, Youssef. Um, terrible what is what is going on there. I mean, you you've got family, um, presumably that are there right now. What is the mood amongst the Palestinian um, community that is based in Gaza at the moment? Well, to be honest, uh, they are busy uh, how to survive in Gaza. Uh, they pay less attention to what's happening in the Hague uh, regarding the ICJ hearings to charge Israel with genocide. Every day they wake up unharmed is a miracle for us. And they are unable to stock up supplies, food, water, medicine. It's very cold. There's um, um, 
power outages, um, lack of communications, um, you know, destruction is everywhere. Um, it's terrible. It's heartbreaking that, you know, human beings in the um, current century are being deprived of their own basic rights. And Youssef, what, what is your analysis of, you know, it's what, just over three months now since the attacks um, by Hamas that kicked this whole latest saga off. But of course, you know, the conflict didn't start there. It's been going on for a very, very long time. Um, it is, you know, Gaza is occupied. I know a lot of people contest that, but it is um, by Israel. What's your analysis, the big picture analysis of where we are right now? Well, let's make it clear. Israel is a country above the international law. Uh, it keeps violating um, the humanitarian inter international law. It enjoys impunity. That's why until this moment, despite the fact that the ICJ hearing is ongoing for the second day, Israel continues to kill civilians indiscriminately, continues to starve the population, continues to control what goes in, what goes out, continues to ignore all the calls of the world to cease fire. Uh, this is the reality on the ground. And if is as if this is not enough, they say, okay, um, do what you want. We are going to attack Yemen. So attacked, uh, Yemen is being attacked now uh, by the US, by the UK, by Israel and other countries. Uh, this shows the disregard to the Palestinian suffering. Uh, they want to punish anybody who supports Palestinians. Yeah, now the other thing that um, I've um, picked up on as well, and something which isn't reported on very widely, we all hear about the bombings of the civilians in Gaza, but there's also been attacks, haven't there, from Israeli settlers um, on Palestinians um, living in the occupied territories. Um, tell, give us an update on what's been going on there, if you've got any information, Youssef. Israeli settlers are heavily armed and protected by the Israeli occupation forces across the West Bank. There are around 600 checkpoints, security uh, points, and those settlers are attacking Palestinian civilians across the West Bank, and they are being fueled and supported by extreme right uh, uh, officials such as Smotrich, uh, such as uh, Bingafir, who is arming settlers. And this shows that uh, Israel's justification to attack Gaza to say that they are for self-defense attacking Hamas, this is a uh, blatant lie, uh, because in the West Bank, Hamas doesn't operate there. Israel wants to provoke Palestinians to justify its attacks, despite the fact that the U.S. administration, Biden himself, uh, and other officials, they say Israel has to restrain itself because it will uh, send the region into turmoil. Yeah, and it's it is absolutely terrible what has gone on over the past three months, and also over the past few decades. What do you think the prospect for peace is now? Is there an appetite for peace at all um, within the Palestinian community, um, or you know, is this going to refuel more um, acts of violence because you know because of what's happened over the past three months? What's your assessment on that? If Israel doesn't occupy Palestinian lands, Palestinian resistance groups wouldn't have been existed. Uh, and this is the fact. Israel continues to defy international law to end its occupation, to end the siege, and um, it enjoys uh, this uh, impunity. Um, I, I think also Israel created so much hatred, whether it's amongst Palestinians or amongst uh, the world who is watching this genocide unfolds day after day for the past 100 days, James. Can you imagine? 
100 days and the world is watching uh, over 23,000 Palestinian civilians, including 11,000 Palestinian children. No one is talking about those children. Israeli officials say that Hamas did terrible attack on the 7th of October. Yes, okay. But what about um, the 8th of October, 9th of October? Until now, 11,000 Palestinian children and babies, paramedics, attacks on journalists, attacks on hospitals, schools, markets, universities. Everything is a targeting Gaza. And you've seen these horrific videos when those soldiers dance and sing and send their uh, tank shelling uh, and airstrikes indiscriminately. So peace can be attained if Israel just uh, admit that it is occupying Palestinians and it is ready to end its occupation. Yeah. Now, um, Youssef, it is the Israeli state which is committing these. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't think there's any other word other than crimes when you're killing innocent civilians. Um, the, that is being done by the Israeli state. There are a lot of Jewish people around the world, and I've actually got one um, from the Israeli parliament on next, Ofer Kasith, who are calling for a ceasefire. And, you know, they, they disagree with the occupation of Palestine. What would you like to say to those Jewish people around the world that are against what is going on now? I would like to thank them for being pro-justice, for being human beings, because Israel, the Israeli government, has been treating Palestinians as subhumans. It has been demonizing us, because when you want to commit genocide, um, the attacker, the victimizer, is going to paint a bleak picture about you and... Um, you know, equate you as a devil, uh, as a demon. And uh, this was proven when Netanyahu himself said that the children of Gaza are children of darkness. And many Israelis, uh, including officials, they say we must kill 100,000 Palestinians and everybody in Gaza was involved on the 7th of October. No one is innocent and so on. So there is an ongoing, an ongoing um, incitement campaign to continue justifying their actions, saying that the whole of Gaza is responsible for, because they elect Hamas. What about those 11, 16 um, years old people who were born after Hamas was elected? Are they also involved? So I would like to thank those Jewish voices, uh, although they are being marginalized and attacked by Israeli authorities. We've seen one of the videos, Israeli students attacked their own uh, teacher because he was calling to send more aid into Gaza. So um, we would like to see these voices um, you know, maximized. Youssef, thank you so much for giving your um, your opinion and your analysis. Um, we'd, I'd love to get you back on the Freeman Report at some point. Um, but um, like I said, really sorry to hear about your family members, and I hope they're all safe um, going forward. Um, Youssef, El, hello, um, everybody. Thank you very much. Right. OK, um, we're going to take a short break now for the news headlines. And when we come back, we'll have a um, member, sitting member of the Israeli Knesset, the parliament there, um, Ofa Kasif on the line with me. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman, on today's News Talk TNT. I have some good news. Uh, uh, TNT Radio News. Oil and tea with a look at your TNT headlines. With support from Australia and Canada, the United States and Britain have launched large-scale retaliatory strikes against Iranian-backed rebels in Yemen. A new bombshell report released by the Pentagon has revealed the US has lost track of over $1 billion worth of military equipment it has sent to Ukraine. And Hunter Biden appeared briefly in an LA courtroom on Thursday, the first son pleading not guilty to nine federal tax crimes. 
globalist agendas. Democratic rights at risk. Corruption. Propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. Wow. Um... Do you know what? I've spoken to lots of people now on this show who have lost people personally um, on both sides um, of, of the divide as well. And my next guest, um, Ofer Kasif, he's a sitting member of the Israeli Knesset, the parliament there. Um, he's lost one of his good friends um, in the Hamas attacks. Um, but it is absolutely truly terrible what is going on there. Um, but I'm delighted that Ofer is on the line with me now. Hello, Ofer. Thank you. Thank you so very much for having me. Yeah, now, Ofer, last time um, you were on the show, um, it was, uh, I think it was a few days after the attacks um, by Hamas in October. Um, you'd actually just been banned, hadn't you, from the parliament there for 45 days. Um, are you back now? And um, what is the mood like in the Israeli parliament right now? Well, yes, I'm back for uh, about six, seven weeks now, if I remember correctly. But I'm about to be expelled from the Knesset altogether because, again, I raised my voice against uh, what's going on uh, in Gaza. Uh, as you said correctly before, I was very uh, blunt and, uh, you know, direct in my total condemnation of the criminal, uh, monstrous massacre that, that uh, Hamas committed, in which they butchered uh, 1,200 uh, Israelis at least and kidnapped some others including some of my friends and acquaintances. Uh, and I said then that even the crimes of the occupation and the siege cannot justify such a carnage. So I'm, I've been saying the same about the uh, assault on Gaza, that the carnage committed by Hamas cannot justify the assault and the massacre going on in Gaza, in which about already about 30,000 Palestinians, mostly innocent civilians, around 10,000 children, were killed, uh, full destruction, uh, hunger, uh, starvation by uh, uh, the uh, assault. So I and my friends, we do raise our voice against it. And we emphasized, and uh, we, we, we've been emphasizing time and time again, we continue to emphasize whatever the cost is, that there is no military solution to the situation in Israel slash Palestine, only a political one. And that is ending the occupation, a full Palestinian sovereignty and independence in its own uh, state in the old territories Israel occupied dynasty, June 1967. And there's no other way. So the mood in Israel is very, uh, I should have put it in as an understatement, very bothering, very dangerous. The government that tried, as we all remember, before the massacre by Hamas, the government uh, tried to pursue a coup d'etat under the sugar-coated term judicial reform uh, in order to turn Israel into, into a full-fledged fascist dictatorship. The government failed, mainly because of the protest in the streets of Israel. 
But now they've been doing exactly the same under the smoke screen of the massacre of Hamas and of the war. And part of it is to shut uh, the mouth of people like me and to silence the, the voice uh, we raise against the, the war. So for instance, it must be stressed that demonstrations against the war, calling to end the war for the benefit of all, by the way, to save lives of both Palestinians and Israelis. We don't want Palestinians, innocent Palestinians to be killed. We don't want to, the Israeli hostages to die. We don't want Israeli soldiers to die. So we've been raising a voice for that. But it is now forbidden to demonstrate in Israel altogether. Uh, tomorrow we were supposed to have more than 30 organizations, peace and anti-war organizations. We were supposed to have a big demonstration in the city of Haifa, thousands of thousands of people, and the police didn't allow us to do so. We had to cancel it. It is totally forbidden to demonstrate for ceasefire and stop ending the war in Israel. People who raise their voice on the network against the war and for ceasefire, again, for the benefit of all. And, and uh, students have been suspended and people who have been fired from the work places because they raised their voice. So we held on, we have unfortunately, the last resort is to appeal or to support appeals to international uh, uh, apparatuses and, uh, and, uh, and bodies. There's no other way, unfortunately. The, Freedom of speech in Israel is totally limited, almost blocked. Yeah, now, um, Ofer, I remember when you were on the Freeman Report last, I um, I think I made a comment about you speaking out against Israel, and you corrected me, um, and you said, no, no, I'm, I'm not speaking out against Israel. I speak for Israel because I believe that, that there cannot be a winner. There can only be two winners. Either we win together or we lose together. Um, Absolutely. Let's re explain what you meant by that again, please, Ofer. What I meant and still mean is that uh, uh, I think that the interest of both Palestinians and Israelis, Arabs and Jews, and all the region, the real interest is uh, is, is peace. Uh, the continuous uh, war and bloodshed, uh, be, besides causing terrible pain for everyone, of course, it doesn't lead to anywhere but to more bloodshed. Uh, perhaps I mentioned it in uh, our uh, uh, interview, uh, but uh, I say that again because I think that is a, is a strong saying by Mahatma Gandhi, who said that an eye for an eye leads us to total blindness. And, uh, and that's exactly what I do not want to happen. I want to prevent it. Not only me, of course, I'm not alone. We are, we are thousands and thousands of people, including in Israel, who think alike. Unfortunately, we are persecuted and silenced by the, by the government and its apparatuses, the police, etc. But uh, the real interest of Israel and the Israelis is peace. And the, the main enemy of Israel and the Israeli people at the moment is the government of Israel. Because the government of Israel does not act upon the interest of the state of Israel and the Israelis, but only for their own sake, for its own survival as a government, and for the survival of Netanyahu as a prime minister out of prison, because he's under a trial for three, three very important, very 
severe charges, and he knows that in order to stay out of prison, he must stay prime minister. That's the only thing that drives him at the expense of the, the life and well-being of Israelis, not only Palestinians. The hostages, 136 hostages dying there, they are dying at the hands of the murderers of Hamas. The government doesn't do anything to release them. The Israeli soldiers are, vict- are sacrificed on the altar of the government's interests, and lo- let alone thousands of Palestinians. So my attempts are for the benefit and for the sake for, of all Palestinians and Israelis, Arabs and Jews. And of course, in order to delegitimize my voice, they tried to demonize me and present me as if I was anti-Israeli. The real anti-Israeli is the government. Now, Ofo, we'll talk about this um, case in the International Court of Justice after the break in a second. But before that, um, you know, this this um, sort of persecution of you for speaking out. And when you put it like that, Ofar, I'm absolutely shocked that, um, you know, Israeli politicians would be persecuting you because your message is clear, as far as I can see, that you, you talk in support of Israel's interests. Now, domestically, in terms of domestic politics, are there any other politicians that don't necessarily agree um, with having a ceasefire? Do they worry about democracy in Israel, the fact that you cannot stand up and say these things um, without actually being threatened with being banned from the parliament altogether? Because that is a real threat to Israel, Israeli democracy itself, isn't it? That's a brilliant question, if I may say so. Uh, not that the others are not, but that's specifically even more so. Uh, look, I'm, I, I'm not surprised or shocked by those who uh, uh, initiated the, uh, you know, the motion to expel me or impeach me, uh, because they are fascists. They have nothing to do with democracy other than the empty rhetoric. But uh, I'm not so shocked, surprised, but how should I put it, worried that so many members of the Knesset with Yesh Atid, which is supposed to be a central party, even some say that central leftist party, that uh, many of them, not all of them, but many of them, I don't remember, probably the majority, joined this motion and signed according to my impeachment. So, and there are two problems in that. First, is that it seems that there, you know, uh, shouts for democracy before the 7th of October disappeared. The, they don't uh, uh, understand, or perhaps for populist reason, they don't want to say they understand that there is a persecution here and an attempt to shut up the mouth of and the voice, to silence the voice of thousands of people, not only of me. So that's very uh, 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 worrying. worrying. Uh, and the, the other thing is that, according to the law in Israel, there are only three things that may cause the impeachment of a member of the Knesset. Support of terrorism, support of racism, support of armed struggle against Israel. 
Now, the, the one who initiated the uh, motion against me argues that I am a supporter of armed struggle against Israel, which is a total poppycock. It's hogwash. It has nothing to do with reality, and they know that. So I'm not surprised about this guy, because he's a fascist. But those in Yeshatid, and I finish one sentence, please, those who signed it know that and still signed. That's a cheap populism. The aroma of the elections are here. That's the reason they do that. Yeah, and um, Ofer, I find this very, very concerning because democracy and democratic process is the protection against fascism and totalitarianism. And given the the state of the Middle East more generally at the moment, um, you know, there is a prospect here that this could kick off World War Three. So everybody watching this, thinking that this is just about the Middle East, um, we're talking about here when we talk about Israeli politics, we're not. Be, let's be clear, we're talking about geopolitics here. And if Israel um, is allowed to shut down all democratic processes in the country, then we all around the world have a real problem here. Right now, Ofer, we're going to take a quick break now, but don't go anywhere because I've got more questions for you after this sure. short break. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman on TNT. Hi, I'm Susan Lucci. I never thought about heart disease until I had my own heart event. At first, like so many other women out there, I ignored my symptoms. A slight pressure on my chest, shortness of breath. I thought, I don't have time to be sick. I had a 90% blockage in my main artery and a 75% blockage in the adjacent artery. I received two stents in my arteries. Stents developed through research funded by the American Heart Association. Those stents saved my life. I'm so grateful to the American Heart Association. Their research helped save my life. I can enjoy life with my children, my grandchildren, and my friends. Please, listen to your heart. The only reason I'm here today is because I did. Learn more about the American Heart Association's life-saving work at helpheart.org. When the world's endangered animals need help most, when their lives are at greatest risk, when they would otherwise be lost. The International Fund for Animal Welfare is there, taking action to rescue the animals we love, to protect them and their threatened natural habitats. See how you can help animals and people thrive together at joinifall.org. The conversation continues with James Freeman on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Now, Ofer, as we speak today, um, there is a case against the Israeli state um, in the International Court of Justice, um, a case um, which uh, accuses Israel, the Israeli state of genocide. Um, I guess, firstly, if I can get your analysis on that, but also I'd be really interested to hear what Israeli politicians are saying about this new case um, that South Africa has brought against Israel. Well, first of all, I want to emphasize again that as far as I'm concerned, it is not against Israel, it is against the government of Israel. I mean, a se semantic side, you know, but uh, eventually it's against the policy that the government of Israel carries out and not against the state as such. And after listening yesterday uh, to uh, at least part of the statements of the South African uh, delegation, uh, 
I'm even more convinced that they have nothing to against the state of Israel as such. And that goes back to what you ask regarding the comments and the reaction in Israel. Uh, so, but one step after another. So, uh, look, I think that the appeal to the ICJ is crucially important for two reasons. Uh, be the result, whatever it be, it will be. Uh, first, it is an, an implicit a declaration that it is legitimate to investigate. I mean, for me, the mo one of the most important things in this uh, appeal is not if uh, there is or, no, or there's no genocide uh, in Gaza, because telling you the truth, as far as the legal concept of genocide is concerned, I don't know if there is or there's no genocide, because I'm not an expert and uh, uh, regarding the legal uh, issue we are, uh, 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 around the concept of genocide. I can talk about the philosophical, the historical issue, but not the legal one. But it's very important that everybody understands, including and mainly the government of Israel and the public in Israel, that no state, including Israel, is above the international law, let alone that Israel is part of the Convention on Genocide, actually one of the first to sign it. So I think that it is very important to be in investigated by a relatively impartial apparatus. And uh, I think that the ICJ is. And here I go, I go back to the reaction in Israel. Unfortunately, it's been a very common reaction in Israel for ages that anything that is done uh, uh, against the policy of Israeli governments and the... Uh, any criticism of Israeli governments throughout the years is immediately interpreted and presented as if we were dealing with anti-Semitism. That means that, any, that, they, that it is impossible actually to make any comment, let alone criticize or protest against a, a Israeli government's policy, uh, because anything is the immediately presented as, as anti-Semitism. Now, I'm not naive. I know that, unfortunately, there, there is anti-Semitism around the, the globe, which, which we must fight against. I mean, anti-Semitism, like any other form of racism, is a crime. And it is, to say the least, immoral stance. But uh, you cannot say automatically that each and every criticism of Israeli governments is anti-Semitism. Now, I listened to those who spoke yesterday. I didn't find even one hint to any hidden agenda of anti-Semitism. Quite the contrary. And by the way, in the appeal of South Africa, one of the first passages, the second one, I think, actually condemns very strongly the massacre committed by Hamas. And justly so. So... The main and most common reaction in Israel, especially among politicians, but, uh, but also at pub in the public at large, is as if there is an anti-Semite motivation in the South African appeal. And because of that, they also argue, looking at the justices in the ICJ, that ICJ is biased and partial. 
And the sales of, you know, ahead of the discussion, I totally reject that. Totally reject that. And uh, I think that the ICJ is a necessity for the sake of Israel as well, because as I said, uh, it is an interest of the state of Israel to be moral. Some people unfortunately believe, that's a classic fascism by the way, that morality is, is, uh, uh, is a weak issue, it's for the weak. No, morality is a strength, is power. Morality is not against the strength of a society. It is the strength of society. It is exactly the opposite of what Mussolini called sacro egoism, which, which in translation to English, sacred egoism. I, I, I will never accept that. Of uh, absolute words of wisdom there from you. I'm so glad you said that because there are many so of us um, you know, I'm not, um, I don't take sides in this conflict. Some people listening to my show sometimes might think that because I talk about all of the innocent lives that have been lost, but that's not me taking sides. That is me talking about factual things which are happening on the ground. And I'm glad you said that because there are many of us who feel um, that Israel very often uses the anti-Semitism, um, you know, word and plays the victim a lot um, around the world when it gets criticism of what it's actually doing. Not of, not of the Jewish people, but of what the Israeli state is actually doing on the ground. So thank you very government. much. <laughs> yes, exactly. The the government, which is different than the Jewish people. Now, once you say, once um, one say, if I may just add one sentence, very short one. Once one says that a, a state is doing something, uh, so this this allows any opposition by definition. So before me, it's very important to distinguish between state and government because once I say, and that's the truth that the government is responsible for something, then I leave, uh, we leave, you know, the space for opposition within the state. And that's exactly what we should do. Yeah, no, exactly. Now, Ofa, um, a lot has happened in the last three months. Um, the prospect for peace wasn't great um, before the Hamas attacks. What's your assessment on where we are now with the potential for a peaceful settlement? I mean, I'm not just talking about a ceasefire here, but I'm talking a much bigger settlement, which actually puts this whole thing to bed. Is that even possible now, do you think? Look, there are two things that should be done immediately. First is, uh, of course, ending the war and exchange of prisoners, which means a total and immediate release of the Israeli hostages who are dying. They are literally dying. And uh, immediate, and of course, a withdrawal of all uh, uh, Israeli military forces from the uh, Gaza Strip. Uh, that's the beginning of a long, profound, but serious, but a, a necessary process towards ending the occupation and establishing an independent Palestinian state alongside the state of Israel. That means. Palestinian state in the old territories that Israel occupied in 1967, including East Jerusalem, and that's the only way to achieve peace. That's the interest of everybody involved, the interest of both peoples of this land, and that's the only way to stop the bloodshed, no other way. I believe that in the short run, 
we're going to face a dire era. Uh, the bloodshed continues, unfortunately. The families of the hostages in Israel are in pain. They don't know what's going on with their loved ones, who definitely, and we know, live through hell in the hands of the Hamas. And uh, <clears throat> we, all of us, we have to, in the, in the short run, I believe that we are going to continue with the suffering, but I believe that in the long run, more and more people will understand, Palestinians and Israelis, that war and violence cannot solve anything and cannot deliver any good, metaphorically as practically, any good to anyone. And hence, I believe that uh, we will see a, a real peace process, uh, perhaps not in the next few months, but I hope that in the, in the next few years. I do believe so, but we have to do, to struggle for that. It won't come by itself. And we do need international, the international community support. Unfortunately, there's none. Yeah. Now, um, Ofa, obviously you, as I've already discussed, are a member of, of the parliament. Um, now, there have been accusations, and I'm not, I'm not making these here, but there have been, I've heard people talking about the fact that you've got these gas fields um, off of Gaza, and you've also got the prospect of this new canal, um, which is coming in, which is going to be a competitor to the Suez Canal. Now, some people are making accusations that this situation is being used um, as a tool to, first of all, seize the gas um, off the Palestinians, but also to make way for this canal. What's your assessment as a member of the parliament in terms of the discussions going on around these two things? First of all, I do agree that uh, those uh, issues you mentioned are relevant, but neither of them was discussed at all at the Knesset thus far. Uh, if it was discussed in the government or the so-called war cabinet, I don't know because obviously I'm not there and it is supposed to be a, you know, a top secret, and I, so I have no idea what's going on there. But as far as the Knesset is concerned, it uh, it, it it was not mentioned even once. But I uh, I do think that uh, it is those things are relevant. Perhaps we'll know better in the future. Yeah, it does seem that way, doesn't it? That that um, historians will be writing about this conflict, and these things might form part of that. Now, Ofer, we've got about two minutes left. What would you like to say directly to Jewish people around the world? Because there are lots of Jewish people that are looking on in horror. They don't support the occupation of Palestine. Um, what would you like to say to those people around the world? I, I'm glad that you asked this question because often I'm accused as being anti-Semite myself or self-hatred Jew, which is, uh, of course, not only a sheer lie, and ridiculous, but uh, for me, uh, hurt. it hurts me. Uh, I'm not ashamed of my Jewish, uh, you know, origins. And I think that the real heritage of Judaism uh, is peace and justice, not war and, conquer and conquests. In my view, those who call themselves, uh, uh, you know, Jew Jewish religious, uh, like the party called Jewish religious, are actually deform Judaism. And because of that, I try to also not only to present an alternative, a political alternative 
to uh, the dominant uh, uh, views present in Israel, but also an alternative to the dominant Judaism. Ofa, we're sadly, very sadly, we've run out of time. But listen, I think you're an absolute star. I hope they don't ban <laughs> you from <laughs> the parliament. So um, but please keep on doing what you're doing. Ofa Kasif, ladies and gentlemen. Wow, um, what a show. Um, next week, next Tuesday, we'll be looking at the geopolitics. But don't go anywhere because we've got more great shows for you here, right here on TNT.